0: Newman and Buzz Eisenberg on WHMP.
1: Welcome to Talk the Talk. I'm Bill Newman. And I'm Buzz Eisenberg. And we are joined in the studio by Alice Jenkins, who is a junior at Hampshire Regional High School and is the lead organizer of an event we want you to know about Life Without Roe. Alice Jenkins, thanks so much for your activism. Thanks for being with us. I'd really appreciate if you would tell our listeners, please, what is this event? Where is it? And then I want to get to the important question, why is it? Please. Thank you
2: so much for having me Bill. Um, so this is a rally for women's reproductive <laughs> this is a rally for women's reproductive rights. Um, it is on the one year anniversary of the fall of Roe versus Wade. So it's on Saturday. June 24th at 10 a.m. right at Northampton City Hall. Um, This is a youth-led rally, so I'm organizing it along with Generation Ratify Amherst. We have a bunch of really great speakers, both young and a little bit older, and I'm really excited. I think it's going to be a great event.
1: Tell me, please, one more time, where is it?
2: Northampton City Hall.
1: And when is it?
2: Saturday, June 24th at 10 a.m.
1: Now, you say this is a youth-led event. Terrific. Congratulations It's time for people of a certain age to recognize that others are going to provide leadership, and you are. Tell us, who are the organizers? And when you say youth led, tell us a bit more about that.
2: Yeah, so um, I am the lead organizer on this. I kind of, this is my third rally that I have organized in Northampton, and I was really excited to ask Generation Ratify Amherst to help collaborate with me on this so Marisol is the head of um Generation Ratify so she kind of connected me with some of her other representatives so we have Nisha who will be on the phone with us and um Juliet they're both helping me organize it so it's a small team but um I'm really excited it's really powerful to have a lot of youth organizers and it really draws people's attention draws people's attention so yeah.
1: so tell us a bit more about the rally itself at City Hall
2: Okay, so um, it starts at 10 a.m. We have a couple different organizations coming to table. So Generation Ratify will have a table. Um, Hopefully Planned Parenthood League of Massachusetts will. Um, Collective Power, Tapestry Health, um, Indivisible, Northampton Swing Left Western Mass, who helped me organize my last rally, is going to be there handing out flyers. Um, so it starts at 10 a.m. We're going to have an incoming freshman at my high school enunciate. It's his first time doing any public speaking stuff, so I'm super excited to get um, more young people in it. Um, and then we have some really great speakers. Um, Representative Sabadosa is going to be there. Um, we have representatives from almost all those organizations speaking. So basically, people will just go show up, bring signs, um, listen to these fantastic speakers. Um, address the last year that we've had without Roe v. Wade and how to move forward in the future.
1: And I guess the question, the critical question, a critical question is how does Massachusetts with its uh, highly protective uh, reproductive rights laws, how does it play an important part in having those rights extended and available to others across the country? Is that part of this effort?
2: Yeah, so I'm a big believer in the saying, if one of us is on fire, we're all on fire. So even though a lot of the times we feel really safe and protected in Massachusetts, it's still important to stand up um, for others around the country who are not feeling the same because at the end of the day, a movement is only successful if it has voices from both ends of the country. Um, And also, there are still a lot of things in Massachusetts that need to be protected. Like, we still have a lot of crisis pregnancy centers around. There's still... A lot of things that could be improved. Which, which
1: I like to call so-called crisis pregnancy yes, centers. Yes.
2: Okay. <laughs> yeah, so there's still a lot of things that we can do to make um, reproductive health care in Massachusetts more accessible to everyone and more protected. But it's just really important to show people who really do struggle and in states that do not have um, access to abortion, it's just important to stand with them and say, we're here with
1: So, Alice Jenkins, you are a junior at Hampshire Regional High School, the lead organizer of this Life Without Roe event, protest, rally, educational uh, endeavor, this Saturday in front of Northampton City Hall, 10 o'clock. I'd like to know how you became involved in this effort.
2: Yeah, so I have just always been a very political person. I've always been very involved. Um, I started going to rallies last year. I attended a couple... Um, other small rallies put on by other people. Um, And then I went to a march on Washington in July of 2022. And then I decided in October, um, Women's March, which is like the national organization I usually do these under, um, they announced a national day of action and no one else was doing anything around here and I couldn't make it to DC. So I just signed up and I put on my first rally, which was the Women's Wave rally. Um, And once you do it once, it really just gets so much easier to do it again. You meet so many new people. They help you. So I had another rally in January that was the Bigger Than row rally. And then now we're putting on this one.
1: (laughs) I'd like to know how your activism is received at school.
2: Yeah, so um, a lot of kids think that it's super cool. Um, I definitely get a lot of support. I have a very active social media profile, so I'm always posting things I'm doing. And I know that a lot of people are really proud of what I'm doing. Um, This rally was kind of part of an effort to kind of get more students involved because I was lucky enough to kind of find my voice on my own. But a lot of kids, um, for whatever reason, can't do that. So sometimes you kind of have to give them one, which is what we're doing with a couple of the speakers and stuff that we have going on. Um, It is really hard to get kids involved because people think that it's a really difficult thing to do, but hopefully with some more work and a little bit more time, we'll start seeing more students get actually involved in the activism themselves.
1: I'd like to know a bit more about that, and if you say don't want to go there, that's fine, but my distinct memories of high school is as a very cliquish place, and the athletes were over here, and the nerds were here, and the scholars were there, and um, uh, and so on, and I'm wondering whether or not that is your experience or whether there's more of a, a sense of being together and being part of a whole in, in, at, at, at your high school, at, at Hampshire Regional.
2: I mean, to an extent, like it can be clicky, like high school is high school, but um, for the most part, there's people from all different groups that support me and my endeavors, and I feel like Hampshire Regional is really lucky. We have a pretty cohesive community of a school, so you know, there's always going to be support for kids who are going out there and doing things the teachers are absolutely great. They really make sure that the whole student body knows of events happening. Um so yeah, I think it really it really is a great place as far as that type of thing goes. Um there's not a lot of like certain groups of people not liking what I'm doing. So
1: when you organize this rally, what are th- the steps that you had to take. And I'm interested actually in the the nuts and bolts of it. Do you have to get a permit? Do you talk to the police? Do you work with the DPW? You work with other groups, and we are going to bring in one of the leaders from Mount Holyoke College in just a second. Tell us more about the nuts and bolts of putting this together.
2: Yeah, so Women's March has an official website, so they'll announce a National Day of Action, and you go to their events page, and it just has a huge map of the country with all the different locations of the marches and rallies. That so
1: this is a nationwide event? And yeah. And we're part of it?
2: Yes. So it's like a national day of action. Um, so there will be different rallies and events all over the country. Um, so then you just simply press, like, host an event, and you set a date. You give it a name. Um, you can do, like, a max number of attendees. It really sets it up super easy for you. Um, and then once you get there you pretty much just amplify it um, yourself They give you like toolkits and everything with some graphics if you want to use them um, As far as permits go you don't actually have to have a permit unless you're marching So if I wanted to host a March, I would have to get a parade permit But um, I just usually call the Northampton Police Department and ask ask to have the two parking meters in front of city hall bagged for the day and then we're good to go
1: (laughs) and when you say bag a parking meter literally put the bag over it so people don't park yeah
2: exactly
1: okay so and you call the northampton police Uh, hi uh i'm alice jenkins uh i want to uh ask you guys to take care of something for me in front of Northampton city hall and what do the police say
2: they are pretty it's a pretty non-eventful conversation they're usually like okay like thanks for letting us know and it's pretty short. It's really simple.
1: <laughs> and in terms of the organizing itself, and we will be joined, as I said in just a minute, uh, by representatives from Mount Holyoke College, um, how do you go about that? I mean, where are the connections? How do you do that?
2: So I met Generation Ratify at my first rally. I had them. They were the first people I reached out to. Um, I just I knew I wanted them as a part of it. So I made that connection with them very early on. And like I said, I met a lot of other people. Um, including representative sabadosa um i've worked with her on a couple events so there's just a lot of different people that are all connected with each other so i just when i know i want to do a rally and i want to collaborate with someone i just kind of think about who i want to choose and then i'll send an email and they're usually right there with me um and then we just put our brains together and think about who we want to be there and you make a speaker list and yeah
1: and do you have some uh, relationship prior to this with Representative Sabadosa? And I and, and ask that because, to me, as a high school student, hi, I'm just going to call up my state rep and see if she wants to come to a rally and talk for us and with us and uh, help, uh, help us in our efforts and see if we can help her in her, her legislative efforts. I mean, that's not remotely intimidating?
2: Um, it definitely is intimidating. So the first rally I had, um, I reached out to a boatload of our different um, local politicians, and actually the day before um, it went, um, our national representative um, McGovern reached out to me and asked to speak at it. Could you stop there a
1: second? Representative McGovern, our congressional representative, reached out to you?
2: Yes, I know, (laughs) it felt really crazy. I was like, oh my God, like I kind of felt like maybe I knew what I was doing for a minute. Um, So he spoke at my first rally, um, along with our state senator, Joe Comerford. And then um, both Representative Sabadosa and McGovern spoke at my second rally. Um, so I I first had my interaction with Lindsay. She reached out to me and asked to go for coffee in the morning. Lindsay
1: so would be Representative, representative Lindsay Sabadosa. Sabadosa. Yeah, just yeah. just checking in. Okay.
2: <laughs> so um, I first... That's first, <laughs> you and me
1: and Lindsay <laughs> and Jim and, you know, like that. <laughs> I
2: first um, met her. Um, she reached out to me after my first rally and asked to go for coffee. So it was a very low-key environment, um, which I think helped. And she's also just, I feel like you can tell a lot about the politician by the way they interact with the youth. And a lot of the ones we have around us are just so supportive. They're so willing. They're always there. They always answer emails. So they really make it easy to not be intimidated by them.
3: And so, Alice, this is Buzz. Uh, So those are the logistics. Why are you so passionate about this issue? Why is it important to you to get the word out to people?
2: Yeah, so um, my grandma has been a huge influence on my sort of activism journey. Um, What's her name? Her name is Pat Miller. Um, I am a relative of Lucy Stone, who was a very big... um, figure in the fight for women's voting rights. So she kind of instilled it in me from a very young age that activism was in my blood. It's kind of just been who I am. Um, I'm not one to stay quiet about things. I <laughs> never really run out of words. So when there's injustice happening somewhere, I just I feel the need inside of me to do something and So
3: what what is the injustice? Can you can you articulate?
2: Well, it's just like <clears throat> at the end of the day, if you don't have the rights to do what you want to do with your own body, then what rights do you actually have? Um, I mean, it's not about like liking abortion or even saying that you would get one. It's just that that's not your choice to make for someone else. Um, And I'm just a firm believer that um, abortion is so much more than just the actual medical procedure. It's the right to privacy. It's the right to, you know, your own relationship and your own morals. It's it's really just such a personal thing that the government doesn't have a place to be in it, and a lot of people around the country are suffering from it, and that's just not something that I'm going to sit by and watch happen.
1: So Alice Jenkins, uh, Hampshire Regional High School junior, I, I have an old person question for you.
2: Okay. <laughs> I, and I
1: apologize in advance, but you say I've been an activist from a very young age. What age?
2: Well, um, the first kind of memories I have of being, like, really political is during the 2016 election. Um, I just remember, like, looking up on YouTube, like, the different, like, ads for Trump and Hillary, and I was just, like, I was so appalled by them. I was, I think at that point I was um, eight years old, maybe. Um, Maybe I was a little bit older than that. I think I was 11. Okay. I was 11. Okay. Um <laughs> and I just I don't know. I just kind of knew what I believed and I remember the day that Donald Trump got elected. I was in Mexico at a fancy resort and I woke up and I just started crying. Um I don't know. I just I've always been a political person. And it's just kind of who I am and
1: Was Hillary Clinton an inspiring figure for you or no?
2: Um I don't know if she was like inspiring necessarily, um, but I just, I thought it was amazing to have um, a strong female candidate in the running. Um, and I was young, so obviously I didn't know everything of what was going on, I only saw like the little videos and stuff that I watched and what my parents told me, but I just, I knew I didn't want Trump in office. <laughs> That's all I knew at 11.
1: Well, I think that is that is something to know <laughs> yeah. at 11.
3: Hey Bill, so- how does President Jenkins sound to you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're, we we were going to follow this career with a lot of interest. Listen, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more with Life After Row right after this.
0: More Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg coming up right here on WHMP.
4: Twenty
5: years ago, we envisioned creating a brighter future for
6: people and planet. Now PV Squared celebrates a big milestone, two decades of designing, building, and maintaining quality solar projects for homes and businesses in our community.
3: PV Squared is a worker-owned co-op. When you partner with us, you get a team dedicated to the success of your project, from your first meeting to servicing your system down the road.
4: Build Solarite right and do business better. It's the co-op difference.
7: Learn more at co-op.
0: You take a classic like Caesar salad and start to mess with it, that could get you into trouble. Things could go wrong. The Caesar salad at Paul and Elizabeth's is a radical departure from the classic Caesar. And fortunately, in this case, things have gone rather right. Paul and Elizabeth's Restaurant, a Caesar salad unlike any other, with romaine or kale or both, with balsamic onion, roasted red peppers, capers, smoked salmon,
3: and the crowning touch, toasty hot polenta croutons. Reading is one of life's great pleasures. Having a community bookstore makes it even better. Broadside Bookshop is a community-minded, woman-owned, independent bookstore in downtown Northampton, where you can browse to your heart's content. For book lovers, Broadside is home away from home. You can order virtually any book on the Broadside website and pick it up at the store or have it sent to your door. If you love books, you'll love Broadside Bookshop.
5: Hi, it's Hannah. Email me at hwardwhmp.com at or call me at 586 7400.
8: WHMP News, Information, and the Arts and messages from
0: community nonprofits. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. WHMP.
1: We have been discussing the Life Without Row Rally 10 o'clock this Saturday at Northampton City Hall. We've been speaking with Alice Jenkins, who is a junior at Hampshire Regional High School and is the lead organizer. We are joined by Nisha Gribko, who is a valley activist, a student, a second year student at Mount Holyoke College, a major in politics and sociology. Nisha, thank you so very much for. Uh, joining us, I understand your part of this rally organizing is around social media, so tell us a bit more about that, and then I'm going to ask you, why are you involved? But first, tell us about the nuts and bolts of organizing, please.
9: Yeah, so I have been the social media, or one of the social media co-directors at Generation Ratify for about two years now, and um, so a lot of my role is amplification of events, um, so posting on Instagram, Twitter, uh, on Facebook, all the ways that we connect with uh, local activists in the Valley. Um, and so for this current uh, rally that we're organizing, I've been doing some of the amplification stuff in terms of Instagram um, and then sort of getting engagement in that way.
1: Now, the last uh, minute had a revelation for me because I, of course, assume <laughs> that you and Alice Jenkins have been in constant communication and know each other well at this point. And it turns out, well, how to put this to uh, people over a certain age They've never met. They've never even Zoomed. Um, But (laughs) apparently, and uh, there's a certain amount of mockery and derision from Dan Doris here. Bill, that's how the world works. That's how the world works? Tell us about that.
9: Yeah, I think um, a lot of organizing now occurs online. And I think uh, Alice and I I have been at uh, rallies together, but never really formally met. Um, But a lot of activism that I've been engaged with uh, involves in... Like online organizing, for example, Generation Ratify National, which is the national organization that oversees GR Amherst. They, um, most of their organizing is online over Zoom calls, over um, text, over Slack, which is like an online platform to organize uh, work, like your workspace. So it really just occurs um, virtually in a lot of scenarios as well.
1: And when you say organizing and doing it virtually, are we talking significantly about? Uh, Uh, Facebook, are we talking about TikTok or what are, what are the platforms that are used?
9: Yeah. So it really depends in terms of like reaching a wider audience. We tend to use social media. So things like Instagram, things like, um, we're trying to get a TikTok started for GR national. I don't know if it's going to be successful. Um, things like Twitter. Um, so that's the way that we sort of reach out to communities outside of the organization. And then inter-organization organizing um, within the organization, we tend to do a lot of calls um, because a lot of our organizers are in different places in the country. So we have some that are out in California, some that are over here in the Northeast. So we do a lot of online organizing in that way um, to create local actions, um, such as GR Amherst. So Generation Ratified National um, will do a lot of organizing you know, in the back end on Zoom um, in order to equip... Uh, local chapters with the resources that
1: they need. Okay, so here is the genuine, quintessential old person question. When <laughs> you say call, we're talking about Zoom? Or are we actually talking about something that uh, we refer to as a telephone? <laughs> Typically
9: Zoom, yeah. <laughs> it's a good question.
1: So, and the answer is, I mean, are we are talking about all uh, Zoom calls? Is that, is that the... Zoom, yes. Okay. So let me ask you this. You are an activist. Uh, you are at Mount Holyoke College. Tell us, if you would please, what your background is in political organizing and activism. I assume it did not start at Mount Holyoke College, but maybe it did. So talk to us about that.
9: Sure, yeah. So I went to Amherst High School um, for, for my high school. Um, and I really got involved in community organizing in middle school. Um, I held a march or sort of a rally at my school after the Parkland shooting in Florida um, for gun, uh, like sensible gun control. And so that was really my start of uh, with activism. And then since then, I've sort of transitioned into doing more uh, organizing for like reproductive rights and gender equality and LGBTQ rights. Um, and that is something that over high school, I really developed with GR Generation Ratify, as well as independent organizing. And then now in Mount Holyoke, I'm sort of still finding my place um, on campus in terms of activism. And that's something that I'm you know, looking forward to.
3: Okay, Bill Newman. I'm convinced there is hope for humankind, really. <laughs> and when I compare this to my high school, experience and what I was obsessed with, I am just so, uh, so you were an, relieved. This is Dan. You were in organizing a uh, protest in middle school, I, which I, is what, I, the age of 12 or 13? No, I, I think I was organizing what I'd have for lunch. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I'd like to know, uh, Nisha Kripko from Mount Holyoke College, um, what is the level of activism at the college today?
9: Yeah, that's a good question. I really... I pride myself on going to a college that has a lot of youth uh, organizing and a lot of student organizing. And like everywhere on campus, you'll see flyers for different things, um, different organizations that are hosting events. Um, You'll see like protests and stuff. So it's really, there's still a spirit of activism on campus, especially in Mount Holyoke, um, which is something that I was actually really looking for in a college.
1: When I was in college, it never occurred to me to try to work with local legislators. That was so beyond the, my level of non-sophistication. I was very moved by uh, hearing from Alice Jenkins, uh, a junior at Hampshire Regional High School, who has been with us uh, today on the show, the lead organizer for this event, Life Beyond Row, of her going out to coffee with the state representative and talking about all the different aspects of this fight for reproductive freedom. And I'm wondering whether that kind of involvement is something that you had in middle school and high school and whether that's continued uh, into college for you.
9: Yeah. Um, In middle school, I actually, part of the rally that I organized for uh, gun control was uh, joint letters from a lot of middle schoolers. um, And we sent that to uh, uh, Jim McGovern. Um, And he read that on the congressional floor, which was super exciting and a very interesting opportunity um, to kind of have that, you know, entered into the congressional record and stuff. Um, And then after that, like, I've been an intern for Joe Comerford um, and then sort of been in contact with uh, different local legislators as well throughout high school and college.
1: And I should note, I usually really, really love radio and I do not miss the cameras in the least, but I wish... Our listeners have been able to see Buzz Eisenberg <laughs> shaking his head with us. This was so not me. Look, it was really worth it. Was, so wor- it me, was worth worth watching. And,
3: and and it would have been, and that was so not me. But it also was not an incredible testament to um, to Nisha and to Alice. But it's also our legislature. We're, we are so lucky to have the delegations that we have. They are so supportive of this kind of student activism. They. They promote it. They rely on it. It's really a beautiful thing.
1: Alice Jenkins, one more time. When we're in the rally, anything people need to do other than come, bring signs, bring their voices, bring their spirit?
2: It is Saturday, June 24th at 10 a.m., Northampton City Hall. Bring your signs, bring your loud voices. Um, You can RSVP at Women's March dot com um but it's not required
1: for attending. Okay. And people are looking for more information and want to know about the nationwide aspect of this and or the local local rally. What's the website?
2: Women'smarch.com.
1: Women'sMarch.com. Alice Jenkins from Hampshire Regional High School, where she's a junior and is the lead organizer for Life Beyond, Life Without Row and Nisha Gribko from Mount Holyoke Co- Mount Holyoke college Thank you both so very much. Thank you so much for keeping on, keeping on. The future is yours, and as Buzz said, it gives us hope. We'll see you Saturday.
0: You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg.
10: For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. Holyoke Mayor Josh Garcia is investing $2 million of ARPA money to the restoration of the Victory Theater. Mayor Garcia says the theater adds value to Western Mass.
11: This is not just a neighborhood theater. This is not just a a stage. It's much bigger than that, and it's going to offer a good impact.
10: The Holyoke Police Department also received $336,000 to expand the ShotSpotter system.
11: There has been a level of effectiveness that we weren't getting or experiencing before ShotSpotter.
10: Holyoke was awarded nearly $38 million in ARPA money during the pandemic and applicants submitted nearly $63 million in proposals. The city awarded 27 businesses money with a focus on infrastructure and public health and safety. Smith College is among the institutions to win grant funding from NASA to address the gender gap in male-dominated fields such as science, technology, engineering, and math, also known as STEM. NASA will fund programs at the colleges that combine academic classes, research, mentoring, and other supports to encourage more women to study and work in STEM disciplines. Seven schools will split over $5 million in grant money. A listening session will be held in Amherst tonight to discuss affordable housing. The in-person meeting will take place at the Bangs Community Center at 6.30 p.m. and is being organized by the Amherst Affordable Housing Trust, Human Rights Commission, Board of Health, and Community Safety and Social Justice Committee. Participants are encouraged to talk about what they feel should be municipal priorities. Organizers plan to use the information as part of a five-year strategic plan.
8: Sun cloud mixed today with afternoon scattered showers, chance for a thunderstorm, a high of 72 to 76. Chance for an evening shower, overnight tonight, low of 52 to 58. Partly to mostly sunny on Wednesday, a high of 74 to 78. I'm 22 News Storm Team meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP.
10: This news update in Spanish is brought to you by our friends at Holyoke Media.
12: Yo soy Johan Vega con la Sintesis Informativa de Holyoke Media. La Corte Suprema ha conservado una ley federal que da preferencia a las familias nativas americanas cuando se trata de adoptar niños nativos en hogares de guarda. El fallo de la Corte de 7 a 2 el jueves deja en vigor la Ley de Bienestar de Niños Indígenas de 1978 que tiene como objetivo revertir siglos de esfuerzos aprobados por el gobierno para debilitar la identidad tribal al separar a los niños nativo americanos de sus familias y criarlos fuera de sus culturas tribales. La Ley requiere que los estados notifiquen a las tribus cuando los casos de adopción involucren a sus miembros o niños elegibles para ser miembros de la tribu y que traten de ubicarlos con su familia extendida, su tribu u otras familias nativas americanas. Los líderes nativos americanos celebran el fallo como una gran victoria. En otras informaciones, el presidente Joe Biden instó el jueves al Congreso a aprobar una ley que brindaría un camino a la ciudadanía estadounidense para los jóvenes traídos al país ilegalmente cuando eran niños, utilizando una noche de cine en la Casa Blanca para subrayar su apoyo a los latinos. Biden y su esposa Jill presentaron Flaming Heart, una película dirigida por la actriz Eva Longoria en el jardín sur de la Casa Blanca para una multitud que incluía al elenco de la película. Líderes latinos y dreamers que no nacieron en los Estados Unidos pero llegaron al país cuando eran niños y lo conocen como su hogar. El martes, Biden organizó un concierto al aire libre para celebrar el 16 de junio, durante el cual denunció el racismo como una fuerza aún demasiado poderosa en el país. Los votantes negros y latinos son distritos electorales importantes para Biden, quien se postula para la reelección de 2024. Yo soy Johan Rajiv Vega, y esta fue la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media a través de WHMP.
10: This news update in Spanish has been brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media.
1: This is our monthly comedy quiz. So, without further ado, let me turn the microphone over to Maddie Benjamin.
4: Thank you so much, Bill. And good morning and welcome to the Happier Valley Comedy Comedy Quiz Show. My name is Maddie Benjamin. I'm the program manager and facilitator of fun at Happier Valley Comedy Theater and the monthly nerd in residence. And I'm here to ask a handful of funny people to answer questions on a subject they know nothing about. Funny
3: people plus Buzz Eisenberg.
4: (laughs) And I am joined by our guest panelists, Christine Stevens and David Milgram. How are you folks doing this morning? Good. Happy to be here. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, This month on the comedy quiz, we are exploring competitions that sound like only a comedian could have invented them with questions about the weirdest sports you've never heard of. Perfect.
1: Sounds like my kind of sports. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This is a jock quiz. That's what we're talking about here. Okay. Sort of. Yes. Sort Mm -hmm. of. Okay. Weird jock.
4: Yeah, yeah, if, if, if jocks were improvisers or...
1: <laughs> okay, so it is. You're going to be jocular, got it. Oh. Oh.
4: All right, uh, panelists, you folks ready to, to chime in? So ready. Excellent. I
1: think
7: correct.
4: <laughs> this first round will be multiple choice, um, so every each of you will uh, chime in with your answer, and uh, then we'll figure out who's correct. All right, for question one. An urban iditarod... Also known as an idioterod, <laughs> consists of five or more idiots racing what object through city streets? Is it A, a wheeled trash bin, B, a single city bike, C, a modified radio flyer wagon, or D, a shopping cart?
7: I feel like I was in this once.
10: <laughs> and uh, this, a- <laughs> this is
7: not a confessional where I'm just trying to have the show. Oh, <laughs> that, that's next door.
11: <laughs>
1: uh,
7: you, you I'm were- going with the trash bin because that's what I, when I did it.
11: <laughs> <laughs> you were in the trash bin?
7: Unfortunately, I, yeah, I, I like to think of it as the driver.
11: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and did you have a pusher? Well, so to according speak. to this, I think four or five <laughs> of Idiots. my closest friends. You had, you had a team so-called, I guess with this air quotes, helping you? <laughs> to tell you the truth, I don't you have don't a re- lot of memories. About it. Now, that's shocking to <laughs> Just shocking. Okay, so there is, there is one vote here. I take it for the trash bin. For trash bin, yeah. And, and just one sec before you go, uh, the trash bin with all your friends helping you, were you – totally inside or were you sort of sitting with your legs outside i'm not sure but i'm gonna say the lid was off <laughs> <laughs> that's horrifying let's move on
5: well i'm gonna say a shopping cart just because it's kind of iconic you know you just see them everywhere and also because you can ride it and it's kind of fun yeah. and a little bit dangerous <laughs>
3: Is it too late to change my answer to shopping cart? <laughs> I, I'm changing mine to shopping cart because Christine made so much more sense than than David and his idiot friends.
2: So.
4: Well, David, I don't know what you and your idiot friends were doing, but uh occur- according to the New York City Urban Iditarod, uh the correct vehicle is a shopping cart. <gasps> yes! Yes! Yes!
7: yes. I am so glad I changed my answer.
1: Yeah. <laughs> w- wait a second. Wait, no no no, there is no changing of answers. <laughs> if this particular competition, we have actual rules. Oh. I've heard the rules. I've I've
7: seen it in Progress, and, <laughs> I think it's
4: not uh, All right. Uh, now we'll hear if, if David and his friends participated in this activity, mm-hmm. too. Uh, this is an English martial art. It is sometimes referred to as purring, and it involves 2 I'm sorry. Com- excuse me. What? Purring. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I can't do the accent. I'm sorry. I would try. Um, it, it involves two combatants doing what? Is it A— Flicking each other's noses until one of them cries, B, kicking each other in the shins until one of them falls down. C, headbutting each other until one of them passes out, or D, breaking beer bottles on each other's heads until somebody bleeds. Hell, <laughs>
3: <Hail,
2: Batania. laughs>
5: I can't decide between the beer bottles and the nose flicking.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it's very tough. It's very tough. And they're, prob- and they're probably on the street coming down in trash cans as yes, they try- get or to the finish parts. line or shopping carts. I
6: think they call them trolleys.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought whatever it
7: was yes. would involve the pinky. <laughs> the pinky finger uh, hmm. which is free while <laughs> drinking tea of course yes. so i'm going i'm going with the nose
1: flicking
5: mm-hmm. i agree but should i say something different <laughs> just... I, I don't I know if you do i will switch yes.
1: <laughs> No, you're both allowed to be really enamored of no- nose flicking. Uh, sorry, okay, got that right. I wanted to make sure I wrote down correctly on the scorecard. It's
5: just score some Monty Python, you know. Nose-, is-
1: nose flicking, got it. Buzz, you
3: want to get in on this, or you just want to s- escape? Uh, well, only because I-, I so resent that they could do the accent. I say shin kicking.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, you might have been powered by resentment, Buzz, but you are correct. Oh! <laughs> Uh, uh, the, the, Good the sport is more commonly referred to simply as shin kicking. <laughs>
7: <laughs> that would have given it away.
4: It would have. I needed to leave a little mystery. <laughs> I
7: prefer, uh idiot to rot or whatever. Yeah. I would rather be in the idiot or rot, in, uh, the
3: in the trash can. And kicking.
4: maybe you were. Who knows? And
3: maybe I
4: was. <laughs> All right. Uh, Our next question, uh, as we have already learned, the United Kingdom is prime territory for weird sports. Which of the following is not a real challenge native to the UK? So I'm going to read you four quote unquote sports. One of them is made up. All right. Is it A, bog snorkeling? (laughs) B, cheese rolling? C, Pub spelunking or D, ferret legging. <laughs> I'm
1: sorry, what is ferret legging? The to- last one is ferret yeah. legging. Can, can we have any? Did we hear that correctly?
6: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. Uh, yes, uh, uh, ferret legging, uh, an activity in which you put ferrets in your pants and <laughs> see how long you can keep them there.
5: Actually, I, think, I think that is a real one. Hell, Britain.
7: <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm not sure, but I think that I may have done that. <laughs> In the trash bin. In
4: the trash bin,
7: there, <laughs> there was, was something were... <laughs> in there that wasn't me.
4: No, those were raccoons.
7: Oh. <laughs> so I can I need these again.
4: <clears throat> okay. A bog snorkeling. B cheese rolling. C pub spelunking. Or D ferret legging.
5: Okay, we're guessing which is not a sport. Correct. Correct. Oh, I have this one. Mm-hmm. Bog something snorkeling. snorkeling. Bog. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: How do you say snorkeling in the British accent again? Snorkeling. <laughs> I'm with bog snorkeling too. I, okay.
7: okay. I'm going with pub spelunking, even though that sounds totally so like it would English. come. But so I, I think it's actually Irish. Oh. <laughs>
4: yes.
7: Possibly Scottish.
4: Uh, uh, well, David? You, however you got there, are correct. Get out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Bog snorkeling consists of two 60-meter laps cut into a peat bog (laughs) raced (laughs) by a swimmer wearing a snorkel.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And cheese rolling? Um, I'm, I'm all ears.
4: Uh, This annual event takes place in Chester in the UK, in which uh, another crew of, we'll also call them idiots, uh, chase a wheel of cheese down a very steep hill.
3: Is there really any question why they lost the colonies? (laughs) Uh, I'm surprised I'm not English. (laughs) What was the real answer here?
4: (laughs) Pubs belonging. I just made that up because I liked how it sounded.
5: (laughs) But it sounds like a real thing. I know.
1: It, it does, and I, I'm almost afraid to ask, but what about the ferrets? And is there is there an emergency room involved in that sport?
4: <laughs> Don't ask me. Ask the Scots. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think we got time for one more multiple choice question. Okay, uh, sepak takraw is a sport which can be described as a combination of which two other sports? So I will I will read you a list of two combined sports. Imagine how they would operate, and then tell me which one you think it really That's a is. Lot to remember, <laughs> yeah, right. I know. We'll, we'll take it slow. Uh, so sepak takraw is described as a a combination of soccer and volleyball, b badminton and archery, c baseball and basketball, or d hockey and bowling.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, this has to be done again slowly For those of us who are actually trying to write it down
4: <laughs> All right uh, Do you think that this, this sport looks like A combo of soccer and volleyball A combo of badminton and archery A combo of baseball and basketball Or a combo of hockey and bowling
3: Okay, say this sport again <laughs> What's the sport? It's uh. called
4: sepak takraw, if that helps.
1: <laughs> okay, I, I think we, I think our panelists deserve a hint. How about you want to spell the name of the Thank sport? Thank you. Yes. Yes. Okay.
4: Spelling. Sure. It is S E P A K space T R A K A. W. That does not
5: help. That's not going to oh, help you at all.
3: Not, not even a little. <laughs> just, just you wait, Henry Higgins.
7: I certainly know that I don't want to play any sport that involves archery
11: <laughs> and something else.
1: <laughs> archery and badminton. You're going up for the <laughs> for the, the the little birdie, and a arrow goes by.
3: Uh,
1: I, I want to go back to the emergency room part of this. <laughs>
7: I'm going with soccer and volleyball because I've played that.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, so, but, so, but volleyball is all hands and soccer is no hands. How's that going to work?
5: Okay, but I, I think it's baseball and uh, basketball because – I think it's baseball and basketball because you can – that that makes sense to me. How could <laughs> you, you make do cricket? that?
3: Cricket would make sense, right?
5: Well, which baseball. is basically, you know, early mm-hmm. baseball, right?
3: Uh, I go with the archery one, but I'm going to be in a trash bin when this goes. <laughs> <over>. <laughs>
5: uh, well,
4: uh, the correct answer is soccer and volleyball. Whoa. Also Whoa. known as kick volleyball. <laughs> <laughs>
3: David, all those drugs paid off for you. They really did.
7: I had no idea at the time what I was preparing for.
1: <laughs> yes, it's brilliant. Being in that trash can has just been, it's like a life changing event for you because, David, you are in the lead of the comedy quiz.
7: <gasps> I, I feel that my life has come full circle and, oh, and
1: that's so It all s- makes that's, sense. That's now. so sad, but thank you for sharing. <laughs> Bloody, <laughs> p- bloody quiz.
7: All
4: right. Well, we'll be back for some uh, open response questions in just a moment. Thanks for playing along at home.
0: This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg.
13: What's cooking at River Valley Co-op? Here's avid eater, grocery shopper, and
1: co-op member, Bill Newman. Local farms are welcoming spring to the co-op. Asparagus popping up and ready to eat in bunches. In the co-op meat department, local chicken from Reed Farm, house-made brats and sausage, everything to kick off grilling season. In the co-op cheese department, welcome the maple season with maple-washed Willoughby, a delicious local cheese washed with Vermont maple liqueur.
5: River Valley Co-op, wild about local. Everyone is welcome.
1: Find local news and local talk
13: for the Valley. Which says we need to appeal to the wealthy white people of our region because the marginalized people do not have money, which is true. But as we know, that's what happens when you have centuries of policies that are oppressive,
10: that are racist.
0: Where the heart of the Pioneer Valley lives. 1015 and 1400 WHMP News, Information and the Arts. At the Black Sheep in Amherst, they're still baking and cooking from scratch, just like they have for almost four decades. Did you put off a party or anniversary due to COVID? Let the Black Sheep Deli help you finally celebrate this summer. You deserve it. Treat your guests to their wonderful appetizers, entrees, baked goods, and luscious desserts. No need to do all the work yourself. Let the Black Sheep Deli help you make your party a success with less stress. The Black Sheep Deli, open seven days a week and still having fun with food since 1986.
6: Do you know
5: what's happening this Friday at 9 a.m.?
0: Is this week's Shop Friday the Gray Fox Bluegrass Festival?
5: Correct! They go on sale this Friday at 9 a.m.
0: Gray Fox is the largest bluegrass festival in the Northeast. It's a who's who of bluegrass. Jerry Douglas, Sam Bush, Del McCurry, Sierra Hull, over 40 acts, July 12th to 16th.
5: Get ready to save 30% beginning Friday at 9 a.m. The Shop 30 Store at WHMP.com.
0: You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP.
1: And we continue our monthly comedy, comedy, comedy quiz. So, Maddie Benjamin, the microphone is back to yours. Back to yours. Back to you.
4: (laughs) I'll take it. Thank you, you, Bill. You and
1: yours. (laughs) And we are
4: joined uh, this month with our guest panelist, uh, David Milgram, who is a uh, performer at Happier Valley Comedy. You can actually catch him this Saturday uh, in the championship show at 7 p.m. at our uh, theater in Hadley at One Mill Valley Road.
3: And he has the lead in today's comedy quiz.
4: And he's winning. So if you want to see a winner... Check out uh, <laughs> Dave this Saturday uh, at HPC and uh, Chris Stevens, who is an uh, actress teacher, uh, teaches with us at Happier Valley Comedy as well. Uh, we're delighted to have her. Maybe she'll make a great come from behind. I like uh, her
3: answers better.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we have uh, our final panelist, uh, Buzz, who is playing along with spirit. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, uh, Bill is keeping score in whatever arbitrary way Bill score keeps, and that's the way we like it. Are you folks ready to uh, jump into some open answer questions?
7: Oh yes. Oh yeah. This oh, is yeah. what I've been waiting for. I
4: live okay. okay. Stuff, yeah. uh, you get no no hints, uh, but we'd love to hear your your reasoning for how you come up with your answer. All right. In 2005, students at Middlebury College brought to life what fantasy sport from a pro- popular children's series.
1: Oh wow! Well, oh. You know. oh come on! That's Harry Potter. That's Quidditch. One
12: hundred
5: percent Quidditch. Uh, I'm Pad- saying that with great Paddington's, confidence.
3: Paddington's uh, tube uh, <laughs> riding.
5: Oh yeah. that's much mm. more interesting, mm, creative. I appreciate
1: that. I'm going with beer pong. <laughs> <laughs> Root beer pong, <laughs> I guess, in this case. I'd like to point out this is your kindergarten teacher talking. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
5: Yes.
4: All right. Uh, yeah, Christine, the correct answer is, in fact, Quidditch. <laughs> yes. nice. This version was played on the ground. All right. Uh, question two. Uh, this sport, invented by a German TV host, uh, is uses modified versions of what kitchen tool to make timed runs down an Olympic bobsled track. So what are these people riding down a bobsled track that you might find in your kitchen?
3: A (laughs) lorry.
5: Which is a truck. Thank you. Okay. I'm going to say um, a baking pan, like a a baking sheet.
7: That would be the smart thing. Mm -hmm. I'll go with something less smart. I was thinking an egg timer mm-hmm. because you said some, they were using something from the kitchen to time their runs. I'm going to go with an egg timer. <laughs> See, I'm trying
5: to win, not be funny right uh, now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how
4: one would ride an egg timer. Uh, but unfortunately, the correct answer is a Walk.
1: <laughs> oh, <of course. laughs>
4: sometimes preheated on the bottom for easier sliding
1: <laughs> <laughs> wait a second you gotta get your uh, derriere in a wok to go down a hill <laughs> Whose ideal, never mind never mind, never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Sometimes in
4: teams of four, with four walks strung together, <laughs> it makes sense because there's handles. Yeah, that's. The, I'm, I'm sorry, you could this you I'm could kind of
5: steer.
1: It was, after all, an empire. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to point out that David is saying, "Oh, that makes sense." The guy wants to ride down a hill on an <laughs> on an egg timer <laughs> about the size of his uh, size of his I don't know a pinky. <laughs> <laughs> that's so I could know
7: what my time is. <laughs> <does. laughs> uh, all
4: right. Uh, what sport is described by its governing body as, quote, the latest danger sport that combines the thrills of an extreme outdoor activity with the satisfaction of a well pressed shirt? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Whoa. <clears> hmm. <throat> Uh, Guys, is this radio? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime, just feel free to speak up. The the dead air is not creating
4: a
3: tension. Does it involve drawing people in? A laboratory?
5: It it does not. Does it involve a household appliance such as an iron? It does.
7: (gasps) (gasps) (laughs) Okay, cliff diving shirt ironing. (laughs)
5: Oh, I like that. Can I go with that too?
7: I like that. And you have to have it completely pressed before, <laughs> before you hit you the water. Shoot, or hit the water.
4: I will give credit to that. The actual name of the sport is extreme ironing. <laughs> extreme. Nice. If you have ever wanted to climb a mountain and iron a shirt, this is your chance.
5: Oh, wow.
3: All right, all right, uh, Bill. What are our scores? You know, how are we? You looking? Know, I have a better understanding <laughs> of how these people voted for Brexit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh. Ooh.
3: That's vicious, Buzz.
1: (laughs) Buzz, (laughs) put the knife away, Buzz, really. Well, I, I think there's no doubt that just because, not just, Christine got the last one kind of right. She got a point and an extra point and an extra point. Extreme ironing? Are you kidding me? Yes.
9: (laughs) I'm thrilled.
5: Thank you so much. I want to thank everybody (laughs) for this opportunity. All all of your supporters.
1: (laughs) 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 My God, that that must have taken years of therapy to get to that. Yes, thank
5: you for acknowledging that.
4: Well, thank you so much for playing with us, our panelists, and anyone playing along at home. Uh, And if you want to find out more about what is happening at Happier Valley Comedy, you need need a little more laughter in your life, you can head on over to happiervalley.com to see a full calendar of classes and events. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next month.
1: I need a drink. (laughs) And Maddie Benjamin, thank you so very much. Really appreciate it.
7: Are you an immigrant, worried about your future? Do you want to change your life? At Center for New Americans, you can take English classes for free. They help immigrants with jobs, licenses, healthcare, as well as immigration and citizenship. CNA helps you create a better future. Visit our website at cnaam.org. Call 413-587-0084.
14: What if there were a way to go into cancer surgery or treatment feeling more comfortable and optimistic? Recorded meditations can help. Doctors have said that it makes their job simpler. Nurses tell us their patients may go home sooner and need less pain medication. Cancer Connection creates custom meditations for people affected by cancer, and you don't even have to come in. Go to cancer-connection.org to learn more or donate today.
5: Cancer Connection Radio. WHMP on local Northampton to and W R S
0: I H D Two. Turner's Falls, WHMP.com on Northampton Radio Group Station.
10: It's 10 o'clock.
0: This is CBS News on the hour, presented by Indeed.com.
13: I'm Deborah Rodriguez, breaking news on the president's son. Hunter Biden has reached an agreement with prosecutors in Delaware after being charged with tax and weapons violations. White House correspondent Stephen Portnoy with our top story. It's a plea deal which has Hunter Biden admitting
0: to two misdemeanor tax offenses and avoiding jail time. A felony count related to his possession of a handgun while he was an admitted drug user would be set aside if Hunter Biden complies with the terms of his two-year probation. Under the agreement, the Justice Department would close its investigation into the president's son, which at times focused on allegations of money laundering and illegal lobbying.
13: In a statement, the White House says the president supports his son and efforts to rebuild his life, but makes no comment on those charges. In Florida, U.S. Judge Aileen Cannon has ordered a trial to begin as soon as August 14th in former President Trump's classified documents case. Fellow Republican presidential hopeful Chris Christie has weighed in on Mr. Trump's appearance on Fox. Chris Deep telling CBS Mornings...
0: Last night, he said
8: the reason he didn't give the documents back was because he's just so very busy and he didn't have time to respond to a grand jury subpoena because he needed to get his golf shirts and pants out of the box. I mean, does anybody in America believe this?
13: The Coast Guard is racing the clock trying to find a missing submersible with five people on board who'd hoped to visit a famous underwater wreck. CBS's Roxana Sabiri.
10: The search for the vessel is underway around 900 miles east of Cape Cod, near where the
13: Titanic sank and where the water reaches around 13,000 feet deep. The Coast Guard here in Boston and says the sub lost contact on Sunday about an hour and 45 minutes into its dive. It has only a few days' worth of oxygen. There are more severe storms and scorching temperatures in the forecast for the South. Here's CBS's Jim Crusula. Excessive heat warnings and advisories are posted across parts of New Mexico, Oklahoma, Texas, and Louisiana. Much of Texas could see heat indexes approaching 120 degrees. Bruce Castillo.
0: I've been living in Austin for like 20 years now or something. It feels so much
13: hotter than usual. The Brutal heat is expected to continue into the weekend. An update on glacial melting on some of the most famous mountains on Earth. CBS's Vicki Barker. Glaciers on the Himalayan Mountains, home to Mount Everest and other peaks, are melting 65% faster now than they were in the first decade of this century on a path to losing up to 75% of their volume by the end of the century. And this is going to have really big consequences. Researcher Miriam Jackson says those consequences will include dangerous flooding followed by severe water shortages for the 240 million people who live there. This is CBS. News.
0: Hiring is a lot easier with Indeed. Their powerful platform makes it easy to attract, interview, and hire candidates all in the same place. Visit Indeed.com credit.
15: Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting. A teenager learning the lingo.
1: GOAT, G-O-A-T, acronym, stands for greatest of all time. As in spaghetti sandwiches for dinner? They're my fave. Dad, you're the GOAT.
2: You don't have to speak teen to
15: be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. Visit adoptuskids.org, brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Adopt U.S. Kids and the Ad
9: Council.
13: This is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News Business Analyst. Every year, investors lose money because they trade on emotions and hearsay instead of data. But there's a solution. StockCharts.com, the leading online charting tool that experts and disciplined traders have used for over 20 years. You can do the same. Go to StockCharts.com for a free 30-day trial. Pick the stocks and indexes you want to track, review historical data, spot the trends, then make informed decisions and invest with confidence. Go to StockCharts.com and start your free.
10: WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. Holyoke Mayor Josh Garcia is investing $2 million of ARPA money to the restoration of the Victory Theater. Mayor Garcia says the theater adds value to Western Mass.
11: This is not just a neighborhood theater. This is not just a a stage. It's much bigger than that, and it's going to offer a good impact.
10: The Holyoke Police Department also received $336,000 to expand the ShotSpotter system.
11: There has been a level of effectiveness that we weren't getting or experiencing before ShotSpotter.
10: Holyoke was awarded nearly $38 million in ARPA money during the pandemic, and applicants submitted nearly $63 million in proposals. The city awarded 27 businesses money with a focus on infrastructure and public health and safety. Smith College is among the institutions to win grant funding from NASA to address the gender gap in male-dominated fields such as science, technology, engineering, and math, also known as STEM. NASA will fund programs at the colleges that combine academic classes, research, mentoring, and other supports to encourage more women to study and work in STEM disciplines. Seven schools will split over $5 million in grant money. A listening session will be held in Amherst tonight to discuss affordable housing. The in-person meeting will take place at the Bangs Community Center at 6.30 p.m. and is being organized by the Amherst Affordable Housing Trust, Human Rights Commission, Board of Health, and Community Safety and Social Justice Committee. Participants are encouraged to talk about what they feel should be municipal priorities. Organizers plan to use the information as part of a five-year strategic plan.
8: Sun cloud mixed today with afternoon scattered showers chance for a thunderstorm a high of 72 to 76 chance for an evening shower overnight tonight low of 52 to 58 partly to mostly sunny on Wednesday a high of 74 to 78. I'm 22 News Storm Team meteorologist Brian Lapis 1015 WHMP.
3: And don't tell us what to do. This is Talk the Talk. Welcome. I'm Buzz Eisenberg. And I'm Bill Newman. And this is the time of the month that we just look forward to all month long when Professor Carrie Baker joins us on Feminist Futures. And there are some really important things that are going on this weekend, Carrie.
14: Absolutely. Absolutely. We're kind of looking the anniversary of Dobbs in the face, which is the um, year ago the Supreme Court overturned the constitutional right to abortion. And so um, there's a lot of stuff going on in the Valley. And I have with me here today two Amherst high school students who are leading activists in the Valley. Uh, Marisol Pierce Bonifaz, who serves as founder and director of Generation Ratify at Amherst, which is um, at the core an organization that advocates for the Equal Rights Amendment, but does a lot of other things as well. And with Marisol is Rex Henicky who is with also with Jennifer Ration Ratify, but also with the Sexuality and Gender Alliance at Amherst Regional High School. So I wanted to start by asking you both how you got started in your activism. How did how did you what made you I, both of you got involved when you were in middle school? So how, how what made you uh, go?
16: Um, I got involved in activism when Brett Kavanaugh was confirmed to the Supreme oh, Court. Yeah,
14: I remember. Yeah. That.
16: that. <laughs> I was twelve. Um oh. Yes, I was 12, and my mom went down to the Capitol to protest it with all of the halls of the people in Women's March. Um, And I watched some of the hearings as much as I could that was appropriate for a 12-year-old. And I think I still thought our democracy was going to work the way it's supposed to, Um, the way that you hear in history class of, okay, uh, truth to power would work and that he wouldn't be confirmed. And so when he got confirmed, it was sort of my wake-up call. Wow. that I would have to fight twice as hard for the same opportunities, the next generation would have to fight twice as hard for the same opportunities, and that I could not sit back any longer and just watch this happen. Uh, so that's when I founded Generation Notify Amherst in the pandemic at 13.
14: Good for you. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. That's really amazing. You know, one of my radicalizing events was the Anita Hill-Clarence Thomas yeah. hearings, very similar. I was in law school, first-year law student, and watched those with my, my jaw-hanging Open saying really, really, and then he got uh, ratified, and it just repeated or, itself or um, you know confirmed, and so uh, that really got me activated on sexual harassment, which was my first book, and a lot of my work has been on that. So um, it's I'm so sad that all you know, you're like 30 years younger than me, and you had a similar yeah, experience. We just, and history and it's repeated, still
15: happening. Yeah, Rex, what about you? Um, yeah, so I kind of got involved through one of Generation Alpha Emmer's actions, which was a walkout. And that was really the first, like, main thing that I had ever done, like, political action-wise. And ever since then, I've been a part of Generation Notify Amherst.
14: And you were in middle school,
15: right? Yeah, I was in eighth grade.
14: Wow, that's so cool. What was the walkout about?
15: Um, it was about the um, over, the, not the overturning, the um, leaked the uh, Dobbs decision. Oh, yeah.
1: right. In May of 2022. Yeah. yeah. Bill? I have a remedial question. Generation Ratify. What does the name mean?
16: Yeah. I'll take this. Um, <laughs> Marisol. Marisol. So <laughs> Generation Ratify was founded in 2019 in Virginia by high school students in the Arlington Public Library. Um, and it was first, uh, initial goal was to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment specifically in Virginia. So Quick history. Uh, Equal Rights Amendment is a constitutional amendment that says everyone is equal regardless of gender. It was introduced in 1923 by or written by Alice Paul and partly by Crystal Eastman. Um, And it passed the Congress in 1972. However, it was given a time limit on how many states could ratify it. You need 38 states to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment. Um, And it fell short of that ratification, even with a three year extension on the time limit. Um, And so around, I believe it was in 2017, there were three more states um, in the next few years that ratified the Equal Rights Amendment. So we have the necessary amount of states to enact it into the Constitution, but three of those states was after the time limit. So Generation Ratify is aimed on enacting the ERA, ensuring that we have constitutional gender equality that is long overdue. um, And the Amherst chapter is um, centered on that and also on working on local gender equity issues
14: great great amazing yeah yeah the trump administration blocked recognition of the era and refused to publish it and so now advocates are fighting for a joint resolution in congress to to say it we met all the requirements it's official so um thank you for your work on that i love that there's clubs like yours across the country who are working on this important issue all these years later. I mean, we're coming up on the 50th anniversary, I mean, excuse me, the 100th anniversary of when Alice Paul wrote it in 1923.
16: Yeah, there's a, there's a convention for anyone who's interested. It's in Seneca Falls, New York. Um, and it's the Centennial Convention, which is by the ERA um, Youth Project. It's about by Generation Ratify Amherst uh, or Generation Ratify nationally. Um, and it's just this convention, uh, intergenerational convention. I believe it's July 20th and 21st um, in Seneca Falls at the church that yeah. uh, had that had the convention, and it's this sort of historical event to celebrate the Equal Rights Amendment and then also demand action. Are you going? I am going. Oh,
14: yes. I think I'm going to go, too. Really? I'll see you there. <laughs> <laughs>
16: <It's> so <fun.
14: laughs> Are you going to go, Yeah, I'm Oh, my gosh. Party in Seneca Falls? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: so, uh, for this radical idea of equal uh, rights for all I know. I all know. It says,
14: yeah. you know— can't discriminate based on sex. Yeah, well, exactly. So um, I want to ask you, um, Rex. Why do you think the ERA is important?
15: Um, just like it, discrimination, just basically, like shouldn't happen, and it shouldn't matter how you identify. You, everyone should be treated the same.
14: Yeah, absolutely. I and it and it. Who who would the ERA protect?
15: Basically, anyone who's part of who's who identifies as part of any marginalized group.
14: Right. Like a gender minority. Yeah. 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 Do you want to add to that? Yeah. I mean, what's great
16: about the Equal Rights Amendment is while when it was introduced, it was um, a pretty exclusionary amendment, I would say. Alice Paul did not... Uh, that movement of white women that were fighting for the right to vote were not very inclusive of women of color. They were not very inclusive for the LGBTQ plus community. But what we're trying to do with the new ERA movement that's coming forward is emphasize that because the ERA in its 24 words doesn't say anything about women and men, Right. it just says regardless of sex, that means that that follows the whole spectrum, right? That follows the LGBTQ plus community. Yes. Um, and we identify that the Equal Rights Amendment is highly intersectional, identifying who's most affected, so women of color, but the LGBTQ LGBTQ plus community and all of these different communities, and that the Equal Rights Amendment would provide a stronger legal backing that we, than we currently have with the 14th Amendment for this.
14: Absolutely, absolutely. The 14th Amendment doesn't say anything about sex no, discrimination. No, it does not. Yeah. And the Supreme Court recently ruled in the Bostock decision that uh, sex include, you know, discrimination against sex includes um, sexual orientation and gender identity as grounds. And so the hope is that because the ERA just says you can't discriminate based on sex, that it would provide Sort of wide-ranging protections against state and federal discrimination. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, Bill, you look eager to say something. I'd be
1: interested. I'd be interested to know um, your perspective, uh, Professor Carrie Baker, and I want to put you in your attorney and professor role for mm-hmm. one second. Does that recent decision make the ERA more important or uh, perhaps less important?
14: Oh, that decision just applies to employment. For employers with more than fifteen employees, so this would be wide ranging. It would apply to everything: public accommodations, um, education, employment, um, reproductive rights. And it would be
3: constitutional, not just yeah. statutory,
16: and would be part of the constitution. Well, I like to point out as well is that while people argue that the Equal Protection Clause of the Fourteenth Amendment is the protection that we need for the Equal Rights Amendment, having an amendment that's solely centered on gender equality would. Le- uh, would heighten the level of strict scrutiny that you call in court yes. that would say that you would be violating a fundamental human right, which is necessary uh, as we see gender discrimination.
3: Marisol Pierce uh, Bonifaz, I just have to ask this question uh, because we talked to Alice Jenkins about the rally that's yes, happening I love in, Alice. in front of Northampton uh, City Hall this Saturday. And uh, you, Rex Haneke, you, Do you have a lot of peers that are as articulate and knowledgeable as you guys are about these issues, or are you unique among your peers?
15: Um, I would say that even just in Generation Ratify and just throughout our people that we know, everyone's, like, knowledge ranges, and so, like, some people who may not be part of it may have more knowledge than some people who are, and it just depends on how much you've done... Research-wise, I
16: think yeah. also what's empowering about Generation Ratify is a lot of members that join in Amherst have never been involved in activism before. So yeah. it's an educational op- opportunity, it's an empowerment opportunity. Um, but there are a lot of my friends that are like Marty Souls, being an adult and a child at the same time, and I don't <laughs> quite understand. <laughs> um, and, that that like, and I was just like, like I'll be sitting in orchestra, and my teacher will be like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "Oh, I'm emailing a congressman. I'll be right back." And he's like, <laughs> "Okay." <laughs> so it's it's, it. it's a mix. <laughs> yeah, you
14: are um, Marisol. You're um, an intern, right, with um, S- State Representative Lindsay Sabatosa and Congressman McGovern I here. Am, yes, and and you also worked for the Attorney General Campbell's transition team synthesizing a memo of recommendations for the AG on
16: reproductive justice. That is a very good lineup. <laughs>
9: Thank you for the articulation, Carrie.
16: Yeah, I, I did work on that. I was really honored um, to be chosen. I was the only person on reproductive justice uh, oh. for the AG, which is a lot of pressure. Yeah. Uh, but I met with good a lot of you. community stakeholders, including you, um, and just talked about how we want to make a comprehensive protections for reproductive justice, especially in this time of the post Roe era, and how the AG can fit into that. Um, and I've I've seen some of the things that she's saying, and I'm very proud of her. And I see some of the th- items in my memo coming through. Oh, that's excellent. How I exciting. just want to point
3: out I won the I won the three legged race in sixth grade. So. <laughs>
14: <laughs> and you're an amazing radio host. There you go. The <laughs> versatility. <laughs> so so Rex, what kind of things does Generation Ratify do to work on? Let's just start with the ERA. What kind of ERA actions have they done?
15: Um, we've done a lot of, like, a lot of different things, some of which are, like, not similar to each other at all. Mm -hmm. Um, we hosted a yoga class. Yeah.
11: (laughs) (laughs) Gotta be relaxed in the revolution. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
15: Um, we've held three banner drops now. Um, I believe two of them were partnered with Planned Parenthood.
16: One with Tapestry Health and one with Planned uh, Parenthood. Yeah. And what what's what happens with the banner drop rex?
15: Um so we made a banner um and then we were out front of
16: uh, First Church of Northampton. Yeah,
15: we were outside the front of first churches and then Excellent. we kind of just left it up for the day.
16: Yeah, we had a speaker lineup as well. McGovern came, Sabadosa came, oh, Joe Comerford, and we had some tabling. Um They got better through the years. Our first banner drop was my first ever action that uh-huh. I ever organized and I was so scared
14: but <laughs> now you're no pro yeah it got at, better 16.
16: now I don't get stressed <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah we have a speaker lineup um, and then it's just sort of this event uh, it started as a direct action that we do with the national team but they only did that for one year and then we just kept doing them so Excellent.
3: so before we take a break Marisol could you tell us once again what's happening this weekend and how can people find out more about it
16: so this weekend there is the Life Without Row rally that is on Saturday which I believe is the 24th of June at 10 a.m, um, and it's going to run from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. It is at Northampton City Hall. Um, and it is organized led organized by Alice Jenkins and uh, Generation Notify Amherst, and we're going to have a lineup including Planned Parenthood, Tapestry Health, State Representative Sabadosa, um, and a lot of youth activists that you should definitely come out for.:
3: We should all definitely come out for that. We're going to be right back with Carrie Baker and her really impressive guests on feminist futures right after these messages.
5: Catastrophe, but she knows she can fly away
0: Or talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, coming up right here on WHMP. Find local news and local talk for the Valley. It is critical
14: that the investigation is not limited to federal violations of gender discrimination, but includes the alleged
2: allegations of corruption, nepotism, abuse of power, and use of position to aid Miss Cunningham's personal business. These allegations actually require an investigation by a different body than a Title IX investigator
0: where the heart of the Pioneer Valley lives. 101.5 and 1400 WHMP. News, information, and the arts.
6: I'm not sure if opposites attract, but most couples differ greatly in their views about household finances. I'm Francis Rayum, the money doctor, with Hug Your Money. Money is a very volatile topic, and most seem to either argue about it or rarely discuss it. A sort of division of labor emerges, one partner becoming the steward of household finances, the other less directly involved. This arrangement may work until a stressor is introduced college expenses, budgeting issues, impending retirement, etc. That's when sparks can fly. Each person's perspective is quite different, and it's likely only a short-term solution, if any, will arise. The Hug Plan presents an easy-to-follow, long-term solution that helps get both partners on the same page, alleviating stress and inspiring them to manage their finances successfully. I'm Francis Ray on The Money Doctor. We now offer advanced tools and financial coaching using our patented system, all under one umbrella. For more information and to schedule your free consultation, visit our website at hugyourmoney.com.
0: Every month across the Pioneer Valley, one in three families struggles to buy diapers. That's why the Northampton Radio Group is teaming with the United Way of the Franklin and Hampshire region in support of their annual diaper drive. Stop by the United Way of Franklin and Hampshire region offices in Northampton and Greenfield or at any Leo Auto Group dealership on King Street and donate diapers throughout the month of June. By donating to the diaper drive, you can help keep area children healthy and family secure. This message brought to you by the Leo Auto Group, the United Way of the Franklin and Hampshire region and the Northampton Radio Group. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP.
3: And we are back with our monthly segment, which is Feminist Future with Professor Carrie Baker and uh, bringing us great hope for our future.
14: Absolutely, young people who are activists—that's hopeful to me. We have with us uh, Marisol Pierce Bonifaz and Rex Henneke today, talking about their work with Generation Ratify at Amherst High School. So, I-, I wanted to start, Marisol. How how big is the club or the group?
16: So we uh, we're not actually almost only at Amherst High School. We uh, span all of Western Massachusetts, and we have a base around 50 plus, um, and we have around 20 youth active members that range from the ages of around, I believe, 11 to 21.
14: That's excellent. That's so excellent. So so Rex, what are some of the other projects that you're working on other than the ERA itself?
15: Yeah, so one of our current projects is the, uh, sex, the sex ed project, and that is aims to educate a wide audience on many topics, including safe sex, better sex ed, consent, gender, sexuality, abortion, birth control, sexual health care, and laws pertaining to all of the above. Um, It also aims to promote better sex ed in schools and push for sex ed to be required in the state. And we believe that education on these topics will lead to more respect and safety within our communities. Education is the only way that we can make real systematic change and promote a better environment for everyone. And education leads to understanding um, understanding leads to empathy, and then empathy leads to respect. And promoting respect is preventing injustice. And currently, the sex ed team is working on creating pamphlets to, that we will distribute online and at events.
14: That's excellent. That's excellent. You know, we have the Healthy Youth Act right now. Yes,
16: absolutely. Yeah,
14: and it, it's it's. Not going as far as it should. It doesn't cover it doesn't require every school to have sex ed. But it but it requires that if schools are gonna do sex ed, it has to be comprehensive. I had a student at Smith a few years ago who was a Belchertown student who said she got abstinence-based sex ed at Belchertown. And I I was that was Yeah, our sex ed right now now isn't great either.
16: We have another project that's working specifically on like Um, anti-sexual harassment curriculum and how we can be comprehensive about that because in our experience, at least at Amherst High School um, and other places, they're really not comprehensive in terms of health education. One, in terms of providing the options for abortion and saying that abortion is a thing. It's a lot of a stigmatized abortion is a bad word. Um, And then as well, not providing that there are a wealth of community resources and organizations Mm -hmm. like Tapestry Health, Trans Health, Planned Parenthood, Um, That should really be talked about in that curriculum. So we're trying to make our own curriculum. We're talking with Planned Parenthood and then presenting that to educators hopefully in the fall. That's excellent. That's excellent. And are
3: educators receptive?
16: Well, we are still preparing the presentations. So we are yet to find out. But we have talked to a few educators about this, and they seem to be really interested because I think um, getting young feedback on their teaching is something that's always helpful. Absolutely. I just
3: have to say, is there a faculty sponsor that you work with that that helps you?
16: No, we're entirely youth-led.
3: So I love impressive. That. I love it's that. just so
16: impressive. <laughs> so impressive. What other things are you working on? Well, um, after about a of year of a bunch of different financial hurdles, we finally established a bank account. Okay. Um, so <laughs> That's we have a steady stream. <laughs> uh, we are physically sponsored by the Peace Development Fund. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, as well, we're working on a project regarding our town governments uh-huh. in Western Massachusetts. Um, and we've started to examine the uh, pay inequities uh, per gender in the different town oh, employees. I love that. Good so good we for can you. see if we can compare that and see whether, per our prediction, there is a gender pay gap within yeah. Western Massachusetts between women and men and their town employees. So we've c- conducted a few different research reports on that. We did one on the 2020 fiscal year, uh, and then we sent a research report to a bunch of different departments. Um, that The police department was not happy with our findings. <laughs> um, <Uh-oh. and laughs> I Good emailed with the union a lot. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then we um, are currently working on the next fiscal year, um, as well as looking at UMass and Embers College salaries.
3: If people want to Sponsor want to donate to uh, to Generation Ratify. How do they do it?
16: Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you have Instagram, you can go to Generation Ratify uh, underscore Amherst MA, and in our link tree we have a donate link. You can also go to our website, which is if you look up Generation Ratify Amherst Wix, um, it'll come up, and you scroll to the bottom of our homepage, and there's a donate link.
14: So that's, oh,
16: okay, Wix, right. Yeah, Wix. Wix We're cheap. (laughs) (laughs) We
14: don't quite have that much money. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, that's amazing. Uh, What about any other projects you want to share with the audience?
15: Um, Yeah, so we recently started a dress code project, and after hearing many complaints and also some of our members having their own about the PE10 dress code at Amherst High School, we have met with the Amherst High School principal and are currently working on creating an amendment and suggestions to the dress code.
14: So what are you what are you criticizing in the dress code? What does it say?
16: Um, it says that no one can wear tank tops. Uh, mm-hmm. So you can't show your shoulders, you can't wear crop tops, you can't wear sh- um, shorts that are above the knee. So you have to wear like full length. And I the thing that's ironic for this is that we don't have a dress code for the school. So it's specifically for gym, and then we yeah. also don't have a dress code for school sports. So I can wear a sports bra to track but I can't wear a tank top to my gym class. Interesting.
15: Didn't the gym class dress code also say like you can't wear your sports team uniforms? You can't
16: wear your sports team uniforms um, and then there's also a double standard. My um, My teacher was a retired football coach and was very chummy chummy with all the guys in the class and he kicked me out for wearing a tank top. Oh wow. That was a mistake.
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was
4: yeah. a little bit on his edge. <laughs> yeah. I feel a little bad for him. but <laughs> He's
14: regretting that now. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So now I see, Rex, you're on the creative team. What is the creative team of Generation Ratify? That sounds fun. (laughs)
15: It is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So the creative team makes a lot of our graphics that you see posted on social media. And we've also designed the banners for all three of our banner drops. Great. And then we also made our genera- we also have Generation Ratify Amherst shirts and the creative team has designed those. Well, I see a Generation Ratify shirt. t-shirt. Yeah. They wearing. do also the it's crucial thing
16: cool. of icebreakers for meetings, which <laughs> yeah. is coming out with the most bizarre things you can ask. We're also running out of ideas for those. Which is like, um, if you were a bicycle, what kind of bicycle would you be? Oh yeah. That's excellent. Really get to know each other. Yeah. I just <laughs> want,
3: to, I want to describe the t-shirt that, that, did you design that t-shirt Rex?
16: Uh, I did not.
3: Okay, it says Generation Ratify, but In the word within the word generation, it's G E N, then E R A in a circle, a different color with a feminist symbol, which is just great. So, very creative.
16: Yeah, thank you. That's kudos to our national team.
3: (laughs) So, Carrie Baker, one more time, we really have to let people know what is this rally? When is it going to be? What do people expect to see there? What time and where?
16: Yeah. Well, do you want to say Marisol? Um, You're welcome to as well. Also, everyone, Carrie Baker is speaking at this rally. So you just definitely check it out. (laughs) Yeah,
14: absolutely. So it's uh, Saturday morning at 10 a.m. in front of the City Hall here in Northampton. And I've been to rallies organized by Alice and Marisol before, and they're amazing. It brings out a lot of people, a lot of young people, a lot of older people. And uh, they always bring in amazing people to speak. Lindsay Sabadoso will be speaking and and lots of others. I think the Raging Grannies are going to make an appearance. They hopefully are going to
16: make an appearance. Raging Grannies answer our emails.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I can help. I can help. I I, I have lots of raging granny emails. I can Do it for Anana.
16: There you go. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I found a pair of high heel boots of Goodwill Ah. that I will be sporting. And so you should definitely come. Absolutely. Absolutely.
3: (laughs) Absolutely. And who who else? Did you say uh, Representative? Yeah. Representative Lindsay
16: Sabadosa will be speaking, as well as Planned Parenthood, as well as Youth Climate Action Now, um, and all these different community organizing groups.
14: Great. Amazing. So I always end my radio show with the question of what's your feminist future? What do you hope the future will be like as a result of all your amazing activism?
16: My feminist future um, includes intersectionality, it includes destigmatizing abortion, and it includes um, watching like 10 year old little girls get up on platforms and say what matters to them. Oh,
14: oh. <laughs> that's amazing. Absolutely. Rex, what about you?
16: Um yeah, I mean medicine, you
15: said it pretty well. <laughs> um intersectionality is definitely very um important to me and yeah.
14: Absolutely, yeah. That that all people, no matter what their gender identity or sexuality, can be accepted, can be who they are without um discrimination, without bias. Um, we got a long way to go. Professor yes, Carrie know. Baker,
3: I, I just have to ask this question because I am dazzled by Alice Jenkins and by uh, you two. Uh, the difference between Smith College level uh, <laughs> women that you come in contact with all the time as a professor at Smith and these high schoolers no. with this amazing sense of commitment to uh, valued principles and Activism. Uh, Do you see much difference between the two? No,
14: not at all. Actually, you know, um, Smith has Northampton High School students, and they've taken my gender law and policy class and my intro to women and gender studies class, and they, they can totally hang with the college students. And they have a lot of really valuable things to contribute. You know, their perspectives are slightly different than the current college students. And so I think it's really important that they're at the table and that they can share their ideas as well.
16: Yeah, Astrid Chen, who's the head yeah. for Re- Smith Students for Reproductive Justice, I work with her really extensively, and it's really great to be yeah. able to collaborate like that.
14: Yeah, she's my advisee. This this On Saturday, the Abortion Rights Fund of Western Massachusetts had their annual ROW event, and they had a youth panel. And Marisol was on the panel, and Astrid, and, and two other college College students from uh, from around like one advocates Worcester, for youth yeah, advocates there was a panel. for youth yeah. and they were amazing it was just it was really thrilling to hear that new generation that's been radicalized by you know the trump presidency and kavanaugh's r- ridiculous you know appointment and and all the things that have happened that have Uh, You know, I stand up in front of my gender law and policy class and have to tell my students that they have less rights than I had when I was their age in the Mm -hmm. 1980s. And it's really, really demoralizing and Mm -hmm. angering. But they're rising to the challenge. There's hope. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, my students are what keep me hopeful for the future. I mean, it's, it's a long fight. The the fact that we're getting so much pushback means we're making progress. We just have to keep on pushing. Well,
16: thank you, Professor, for all of your knowledge and for letting us on your show.
14: Absolutely. Wonderful to have you both.
3: And the, uh, the both are, one more time, tell us who we've been talking with.
14: Absolutely. Marisol Pierce Bonifaz, who's a rising junior at, at uh, Amherst High School. And Rex Henneke, who's a rising sophomore, they both got involved and activists in activists when they were in middle school. And uh, they give me hope for the future.
3: And the rally is Saturday at 10 a.m. in front of Northampton City Hall. Thank you so much, everybody, for being in the studio with us. We're going to come back and we're going to be talking about reading and uh, evidence-based reading pedagogies. We're going to be back right after these messages.
0: You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg.
10: For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. Holyoke Mayor Josh Garcia is investing $2 million of ARPA money to the restoration of the Victory Theater. Mayor Garcia says the theater adds value to Western Mass.
11: This is not just a neighborhood theater. This is not just a a stage. It's much bigger than that, and it's going to offer a good impact.
10: The Holyoke Police Department also received $336,000 to expand the ShotSpotter system.
11: There has been a level of effectiveness that we weren't getting or experiencing before ShotSpotter.
10: Holyoke was awarded nearly $38 million in ARPA money during the pandemic and applicants submitted nearly $63 million in proposals. The city awarded 27 businesses money with a focus on infrastructure and public health and safety. Smith College is among the institutions to win grant funding from NASA to address the gender gap in male-dominated fields such as science, technology, engineering, and math, also known as STEM. NASA will fund programs at the colleges that combine academic classes, research, mentoring, and other supports to encourage more women to study and work in STEM disciplines. Seven schools will split over $5 million in grant money. A listening session will be held in Amherst tonight to discuss affordable housing. The in-person meeting will take place at the Bangs Community Center at 6.30 p.m. and is being organized by the Amherst Affordable Housing Trust, Human Rights Commission, Board of Health, and Community Safety and Social Justice Committee. Participants are encouraged to talk about what they feel should be municipal priorities. Organizers plan to use the information as part of a five-year strategic plan.
8: Sun cloud mixed today with afternoon scattered showers. Chance for a thunderstorm, a high of 72 to 76. Chance for an evening shower, overnight tonight, low of 52 to 58. Partly to mostly sunny on Wednesday, a high of 74 to 78. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 1015 WHMP.
0: Hi, Tom Hartman here. Be sure to join me noon to 3 Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, right here on the Tom Hartman program. Occupying the media three hours a day, five days a week for We the People. On 1015, 1400, and 1240. Join me noon to 3 Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, right here on the Tom Hartman program. WHMP.
6: Introducing YouChoose Rewards, the free debit card rewards
17: program that rewards you every time you use your GSB Debit MasterCard. Just use your Greenfield Savings Bank Debit MasterCard to make purchases and you'll earn rewards points every time. You'll even earn YouChoose Rewards with your mobile wallet, including Apple Pay, Google Pay, Samsung Pay, or PayPal, when you link your GSB Debit MasterCard. YouChoose Rewards can be redeemed for dining, shopping, traveling, cashback, donations, and more. Just go to our website and sign up for you choose rewards for your gsb debit mastercard it's free not a gsb customer yet just stop in any of our offices or open a new gsb checking account online and you'll find out how rewarding banking locally with greenfield savings can be
7: get a 1,000 U choose points bonus good for a 10 dollars reward when you sign up during june at greenfield savings bank member fdic member dif greenfieldsavings.com see bank for details
11: Grow Food Northampton helps you make the local food system better. This is Michael Skillcorn Director of Programs. You can join us by shopping at Northampton Tuesday Market, getting a plot at our community garden in Florence, buying a farm share at Crimson and Clover or Sawmill Herb Farm. You can volunteer with us in our giving garden or participate in our neighborhood markets that bring the local food movement to underserved communities in Northampton. Get involved and support our work at growfoodnorthampton.com E hablamos español. Pegunte por Michael.
0: You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP.
3: And welcome back to the show. Reading has become a hotly debated topic uh, nationally. And there was recently a report that was reported uh, by Naomi Martin uh, of the Boston Globe staff uh, on June 13th. At which uh, time she uh, identified a report and and reported on a report that says that Massachusetts is ranked 35th for teaching in the country, for teaching new educators how to instruct students on phonics and vocabulary and other core components of uh, reading. We have invited to the show Kimberly Seldet-Poulin. Kim has multiple certifications for K through 12 education from the Massachusetts Department of Elementary and Secondary. Education, that's Desi. And she is charged with showing these discrete and concrete uh, improvements in reading levels of, of SPED students. She's been teaching in 20, for 25 years. She's at the Shutesbury Elementary School. She's a specialist in teaching reading and reading pedagogies. And thank you so much for joining us in studio, Kim.
17: Thank you for having me,
3: Buzz. It's absolutely a pleasure. you have been following this. I think that you read the same report that I read. I see it. I certainly did. Yes. Yeah. So could you just tell us your impressions of what the report reports and what your experience is relative to what's being reported in that article?
17: Well, I think that uh, we're in a perfect storm. We're recovering from COVID and learning loss. And I think that people are reevaluating how we do things all over And uh, school isn't an exception to that. And um, there has always been a debate on how to approach reading, Um, although the science of reading has been around for centuries.
3: Since reading Uh, was invented. Yes,
17: yes. And um, so we're going, we see schools going back to that Uh, for a while. Whole language teacher college. um, uh, Lucy Calkin's uh, reading workshop was very big in schools. Now well, we're, we're gonna
3: have to let's unpack all of that okay. let's start with learning loss you said we're recovering from learning loss what does that mean
17: well uh, covid did a number to everyone um, and I think kids were out of school for a while um, the 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 aftermath of covid uh, we're still seeing in the schools uh, social emotional um, effects and if a kid has suffered trauma um, you know they're The the pathways aren't there to uh, teach what we need to teach, so we need to get to that first. So there's a lot of social-emotional stuff that we have to unpack uh, for kids to be available for learning, Um, and and we're finding that in the classroom. Um, A lot of uh, stamina, uh, growth mindset has been affected, and these are all areas that um, impact reading growth. And um, so we're doing we're doing multiple jobs. Um, we're not just teaching reading anymore. We're teaching, you know, how, how to be in community um, because these kids have been impacted in that way.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, perhaps the biggest deprivation was socializing. Yes. So you teach primarily what grades?
17: Uh, right now, I'm third and fourth. Um, but in my career, I've taught high school, I've taught second grade, I've taught fifth and sixth. Um, so I've I've taught them all except middle school. Except and I believe your,
3: your your husband is a college professor teaching English at that level as well. Yes. Right? Yes. So tell us in terms of your pedagogy, in terms of the way that you think learning can happen best for kids at the elementary school level. Could you describe your pedagogy and the reasons why you adopt that, those techniques?
17: Well, because I, I am a special educator, um, I believe in systematic, explicit instruction. Always have. What does that mean? Um, that means that you have to teach a child how to do something uh, in very, you know, concrete, uh, prescribed, targeted ways, and um, that has been my philosophy of teaching. Uh, A child needs to know how before they can really blossom into, you know, a a interested reader. Um, So I think for a long time, schools gravitated towards um, this reading workshop where um, it the philosophy was that if we present books to children, if we tell them about, um, you know, what good readers do, uh, without showing them how they do it, that, that it will come through osmosis. And that's very contrary to the way that I've always taught, uh, children.
1: Could you explain that a little bit? How do you teach kids to read?
17: Well, there's, a, a there's a rope uh, that uh, it's called Scarsborough Rope, and um, you need to teach both the word recognition and language comprehension, and word recognition is the phonological awareness. That's this
1: Sounding out the words. Sa- uh,
17: phonological awareness is actually before sounding out the words. Uh, uh, phonemes are uh, sound pieces of words, so um, uh, an exercise to strengthen... Uh, Phonological awareness would be, uh, say the word cat, change the t to p. What's the word now? So mm-hmm. that is, is becoming aware of the sounds within words, all oral. And then comes decoding. Um, that is the, the, the print. Um, what does the C in cat say? And what's the next sound? And then what's the final sound,
3: and that's called decoding
17: decoding yes yes
3: and what age is alphabetic uh, i know everybody learns at a different rate but at, at what age would you say customarily a child can hear those sounds and identify them with certain letters within words? You, uh,
17: well, the sound awareness, you can start in pre-K. You can start before pre-K. Um, print pre-K, too. Um, but, you know, we see the explosion in second grade. We see where where things come together. Um, there's also sight recognition um, that is part of the rope. And then you get into the more complex, the background knowledge, the vocabulary, language structure, verbal reasoning, and literacy knowledge, which... All weaves together to make a reader, but you can't get to those other things before the basic three come into play. Um, but you need all of them in order to to make good readers.
1: And how important we hear it is, but I'd appreciate your perspective, the teacher's perspective, how important is it that adults read to children? How important for the, it's important for the adults, how about the kids?
17: Oh, I think it's, it's invaluable. Um, I, I think that the more exposure that kids have at early ages, the better. I do think that, you know, we have an over-reliance on screens. Um, I, you know, I, I remember taking my son, he's 20 now. It was before screens became, I mean, screens were around, but we didn't have a phone. I would take him in the grocery store and we would point to, you know, fruits and vegetables and just having that. I mean, it's not even reading, but just language development. Um, you know, what is that? What do you see here? You know, just that kind of questioning that's so important even before the reading comes. Um, but now, you know it's It's tempting to to get sucked
1: in. Could you stay there for one second? Are screens detrimental to kids in terms of their ability to read and in terms of their progress in being able to read?
17: I I think that there's a place for technology, um, but it needs to be um, consciously used, and I think that we've become, you know, it's just our our go-to. And I think the way that it's, that, Technology is being used with young people today. Um, could be detrimental. Yeah, I know that there um, We vacation in a place uh, Westport, Massachusetts, and I think that that school district has opened up a, a class action suit for the mental health of, of their students to hold some of the social media um, Accountable, so yes, I do. I do feel like the um, unregulated, uns, un, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, use of, of screens uh, is 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 not good.
3: I will. We don't often uh, promote uh, during an actual live uh, broadcast. Promote future shows, but we're going to have next Friday. We're going to have Kim John Payne, who is an international expert on the detriment uh, that screens can cause to students right now. We're talking to reading specialist Kimberly Saldit-Poulin. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, I want to ask Kimberly about this debate, about whether phonics, learning uh, learning to read by phonics, is a good thing or not. We're going to be right back after these messages.
0: This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg.
10: One thing I like about working at ServiceNet is that in addition to being a manager, I can still be a clinician.
4: If you're a licensed mental health clinician
14: who wants to make your own hours while also being part of a progressive community mental health team, join us at ServiceNet.
2: For people working private practice who want to
10: also still have a commitment to community mental health, working at ServiceNet gives me the opportunity to do both at the same time.
4: Go to the employment page at servicenet.org.
13: What's cooking at River Valley Co-op? Here's avid
5: eater, grocery shopper, and co-op member, Bill Newman.
1: Local farms are welcoming spring to the co-op. Asparagus popping up and ready to eat in bunches. In the co-op meat department, local chicken from Reed Farm, house-made brats and sausage, everything to kick off grilling season. In the co-op cheese department, welcome the maple season with maple washed Willoughby, a delicious local cheese washed with Vermont maple liqueur.
5: River Valley Co-op, wild about local. Everyone is welcome. Serving part-time in the Army National Guard has led to a lot of firsts for me. The education assistance I received made it possible for me to be the first person in my family to go to school and graduate debt-free. That education helped get me to the first day at my dream job, a job that I can still hold while I serve part-time. That job, plus the other benefits possible from the Army National Guard, helped me become a first-time homeowner. Also. Part of my role as a National Guard soldier means I know that I can be one of the first to respond and help my community if disaster ever strikes. I'm extremely proud that I get to serve my community, and that first step I took by joining the Army National Guard has made all the difference in my life. Talk to your local recruiter or visit NationalGuard.com to find out what first are available to you in the Army National Guard.
8: Sponsored by the Massachusetts Army National Guard, aired by the Massachusetts Broadcasters Association and this station.
0: You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP.
3: And we are back with Kimberly Saldit And We're talking about it's so fascinating and it's so important how children should be taught to read. And that children should be taught to read. And we began our conversation talking about a report that was reported in the Boston Globe that found that three quarters of Massachusetts program that teach reading teach practices that are contrary to what Kim calls the science of reading.
1: Programs <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> programs that teach would be an
3: aspiring teachers. How to read, right? How to teach, how to reading. teach reading, right? And the the, the science of reading uh, is based on a body of research that finds that uh, there's a systematic instruction on various literacy skills that Kim's been talking about, including phonics, um, and to become skilled readers. The science of of reading is a better way to teach. Kim, as a, as a SPED teacher, and now you said you're most recently working with third and fourth graders, and you are talking about teaching how to read. Um, so what else do you think our listeners should know about reading in the way that it's, in, it's taught, uh, in 2023 in our schools?
17: Well, phonics is one piece of it. I mean, there's so much to that goes into reading. And describe
3: um, phonics. You described n- the right, sounds the, the, earlier. Yes,
17: and so it's it's putting those things together, the sounds and the print and um, all of that. Uh, so that is one piece. I think what we've gotten away from um, in the last 10 years is, is that the explicit teaching of how, you know, so so to go from short vowels to vowel consonant E words to vowel team words. So a systematic, very purposeful um, kind of uh, deep dig into, um, you know, rep- uh, r- repetitive decodable texts that kids can take and it's a specific um, you know it's a specific pattern that repeats itself in the text so they're getting that over and over again for a long time schools were um doing this Lucy Calkins reading workshop where there were leveled readers that uh, that um there was I don't know what
3: leveled readers mean leveled
17: leveled readers uh, a through z and um what what uh this program would do, Fontes and Pinnell, they would say, you know, A through C is uh, kindergarten, C through... I, I don't know what it is off the top of my head. But they weren't... So uh, you have to
3: graduate from one level before going to the next level of reading.
17: Right, right. And so what would happen in the classroom is that um, a, a student was given a, uh, a running record, found out what level, given that book, and um, given a mini lesson on uh, a specific uh, task, you know, finding the main idea, and they would go off and do that, and then write about it. Now we have come to um, respect the science of reading, something that I've been doing for my 25 years because of the nature of my work. That um, that it needs to be more systematic. It needs to. It, we need to go back to the basics.
3: So you, Kim, saw that, um, Poulin. You have been teaching for 25 years. Do you? Uh, Let's take the pandemic out because that skews the equation a bit. Uh, Over your 25 years, pre-pandemic, how do you compare reading skills of the students that you work with pre-pandemic to when you started out 25 years ago? Are they the same, uh, different, less, more?
17: It's hard to tease it out because I think when I got involved in education, um, that uh, there were less students that were identified to be on plans, um, less behavior in the way of, of getting to those academic goals. I, I feel a lot of my day, um, and this is partially due to the pandemic, but a lot of my day is, is taken up dealing with those behaviors, um, and I don't remember it. Maybe I had more energy when I first started, but I don't remember it um, being quite as um, taxing uh, to, to, to treat those behaviors before I could.
1: Could we go back to this report for a minute, which ranks Massachusetts 35th out of 50 states in terms of its ability and its programs to teach teachers, how to teach reading. That's, that's what we're talking about, right?
17: Well, well I think that y- you need to look at the study with, um, uh, w- with perspective. I think that the, uh, you know, they looked at, um, uh, I do believe uh, syllabus and, uh, but yes, there is a lot in there that is alarming. I yes. just want to uh,
3: embellish that a little bit. There, there were, I think there were about 25 colleges and there education programs that were assessed in this report, and it singled out three colleges, and it, it gave a letter grade to the college uh, program for teaching educators um, how, to, how to teach reading. Three got A's, Gordon College, Worcester State University, and Bay Path University in, in Springfield. The rest of the programs earned D's and F's for not dealing with the science of learning.
1: Let me read you one sentence, if I might, from the Boston Globe article. Several literacy education professors at UMass Amherst said they felt the report was unhelpful. They expressed concerns that the state education department and the council are pushing teachers towards rote memorization, boring phonics-heavy lessons, and teacher scripts that don't resonate with diverse students. What do you say to that?
17: I think that the science of reading is so much more than phonics, as I said before, um, and it's it's rich. Uh, there, uh, when a, a child can read a decodable text, their their face lights up. Um, so it is um, it is exciting. It can be exciting. I, I know teachers who were part of the Lucy Hawkins movement that are now so. Uh, so supportive of this science of reading, so I- embracing it um, that uh, yeah, it's 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 so much more than just rote memorization. It's I, teaching. I wish
3: we had more time, Kim. This, this is such an important topic for us and our future. But um, in a minute that we have left, are you hopeful?
17: I am hopeful because I know the people that I've worked with, um, they, they learn on their own, they go to, they pay m- money for in, uh, professional development, they read books, they listen to podcasts. So I am confident uh, in, in my colleagues. Uh, they know what they're doing. Um, uh, I just, yes.
3: You are hopeful. I am hopeful. Well, that's really good. I know that, uh, you know, I had a, in literature in middle school, I had a heavy reliance on classic comics. (laughs) And I'm not quite sure how we all learn to read. Um, But uh, Bill, were you read to a lot as a child?
1: I was. I remember sitting with my grandmother trying to uh, figure out the words for buffering ads in Look and Life magazine.
17: And that's the thing is, is we're all a team, you know, parents, teachers, administrators, policymakers, we all need to be looking at science and looking at what works and working together.
1: And buffering doesn't hurt your stomach. <laughs> the way aspirin does.
3: <laughs> We've been speaking with Kimberly Salted-Poulin, uh, who has been... Uh, there's no more honorable profession preparing our children for a future of reading and literacy. Thank you so much for what you do. Thank you so much for being here today, Kim.
17: Thank you, Buzz. Thank you, Bill.
3: And thank you, listeners, for being with us. Remember, we don't just talk the talk. We try to walk the walk. Wow you gotta do find local
8: news and local talk for the Valley.
9: It wasn't necessary, and it probably wasn't even appropriate on the one hand. I don't want that to sound like I don't support schools. I have a long history of supporting schools, certainly longer than any one of those city councilors.
0: Where the heart of the Pioneer Valley lives. 101.5 and 1400 WHMP
7: News, Information and the Arts. Imagine working hard for so many years and reaching your retirement only to find out there's an issue with your pension or 401k. Unfortunately, it's a problem too many Americans face. The New England Pension Assistance Project can help you get the benefits you've earned by providing free legal help. Contact the New England Pension Assistance Project at 888-425-6067 or visit them online at pensionhelp.org slash newengland. A public service from the US Administration on Aging's
10: Pension WHMP Counseling WHMP Information Northampton
0: program. and WRSI HD2 Turner's Falls WHMP.com a Northampton radio group station